0: Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real, true stories. May the narrative be with you. It was snowing. I'm standing at my back door looking out on the deck, and I'm watching the snow fall. And it's that kind of snow that's just sort of spitting. And you know that when it's going to hit a surface, it's just going to disappear. But the flakes were large and fluffy, and I knew that if it got colder and kept snowing, that we would have a big blanket of snow by morning.
1: I'm watching the snow
0: fall, and I flash back to a day in the winter of 1965.
1: I'm in a little town called Whitesburg,
0: Kentucky, in the eastern Appalachian Mountains, and it's snowing. I've gone to this town to get my driver's license. My father had tried to teach me how to drive, but we were pretty much the same man, so we kind of butted heads all the time. and He gave up on me, so I borrowed a friend's old Ramler and taught myself to drive. But this particular day I had to have my father with me. So here we are in Whitesburg. Now my father, Paul Hunter Stapleton, he was a coal miner, he spent 55 years of his life underground in black, hot, dark, claustrophobic world. He was stoic, he was stern, there was no frivolity, he was kind. He was a dapper dresser on Sundays. <laughs> but I longed and longed for my father to tell me he loved me. I longed for my father to put his arm around me. I longed for my father to hold me. But he never did. My older brother Charles said one time he was home visiting the family and they were at the airport leaving and he said, Dad, I love you. Silent. Dad, I love you. And Dad says, I heard you the first time. (laughs) I thought you probably did. That was my dad. About a year earlier, I had invited a friend to spend the night with me. My brother was away to college. My sister got married. My mother was working night shift at the hospital. So I invited this friend to spend the weekend or one of the weekend nights with me. Now Logan, this friend, was not just my friend, he was my boyfriend. And we were inseparable, but in 1964 in the mountains of Kentucky, not so much. (laughs) Uh, But we found any chance we could get to be together. So we're here this night, it's time to go to bed, we close the bedroom door, we take off our clothes, we get in the bed. Now there are two uh, twin beds, so we get into one bed together. And we're laying there and we're talking and giggling or whatever we're doing and all of a sudden the bedroom door opens. The lights come on. And Dad is standing there in the doorway just watching. Doesn't say a word. Just watches. Well, Logan is of course trying to get covered up his little naked body covered up and I'm just shaking inside because I had no idea what Dad's going to say. Well, he doesn't say anything. He turns the light off. He closes the door. He walks away, and I think, uh oh. Tomorrow is going to be really good for me. But you know, till this day, he never said a word. He never punished me. He never chastised me. He never told me that Logan couldn't come back to see me. He never said a word. So I wasn't surprised that my father is standing on the sidewalk when I'm getting my driver's license and it's snowing and he's standing like this watching to see what I'm gonna do. And I'm with the driving instructor in this 1961 Plymouth station wagon. Had huge big fins on the back. It was salmon color. It had gray vinyl interior and a push button transmission.
1: The ugliest
0: fucking car you ever wanna see. And I'm on an incline. <laughs> and it's snowing. And I have to park this car. And my father is standing there. Watching, right? Well, I parked the car. I did it beautifully. I did it perfectly. I did it the first time. I was thrilled. I'm getting my driver's license, right? So you know the car. I go over to Dad. Not a word. Little grin on his face. But I can look at his eyes and see that there was this sparkle. He was very proud that I had actually accomplish that. So he takes me to the courthouse to register for the draft. We go in and do all the paperwork. We come out. We're going to the car. I look at my card, and it says 4F classification. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means they would have taken all the women and children before they took me. The <laughs> so because of some physical, mental, or moral standard that I didn't rise to, I was not accepted into the military or would not be accepted into the military.
1: Turns out years later in
0: my 50s, I find out that my father paid someone to do that. My father either paid the money or someone owed him a favor. He had been in this county since he was four months old. At this point, he's 66. So he paid to keep his baby son out of the uh, Vietnam War. He knew that I would not have made it. He knew that I would not have made it. 23 years pass and I'm still longing for my father's affection and I'm in a little house in Gresham. I have $50 to my I have an old pickup truck that my brother loaned me. It's a Friday morning, January the 8th, 1988. I get up, I take my $50, and I go to St. Vincent de Paul. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I walk into St. Vincent de Paul, and I look on the back wall, and there are two shelves high on the wall. And on those shelves are these birdhouses. And I ask for a, a laugh. I go back, I climb up, I look at the birdhouses. They're beautifully made, obviously from some high school shop or some man's garage, and he's donated them. Raw wood. How much are they? $2 a piece. I bought all 20 of them. There goes 40 bucks. I'm loading those birdhouses into the truck, and I'm going, okay, Tim, how are you going to eat? How are you going to pay the rent? So what do I do? I stop and get a pizza and some beer. i mean, like, we need <laughs> So I take these birdhouses home, I unload them, and uh, it, next to the dining room, there was this little room that I was using as a studio, painting studio, so I took these birdhouses in, I stack them all on this table. And I, there they are, right? I go to bed, I get up the next morning, I'm meeting my niece in downtown Portland for lunch. So I take the Max train, I go downtown, I'm standing in front of Nordstrom's waiting her, she doesn't come, she doesn't come. I'm waiting, finally she rounds the corner with her husband and they walk straight up to me, she takes my hand and she says, your father died. And I'm going, why did I not realize this was happening? Why did I not know my father had died? I'm an artist, I'm aware, I see things, I look up, I had my ear to the ground, I feel things. Why was I not in tune with my father? So we have lunch. I spend the day. We talk about family. I go home. The sun is setting. I walk in the house and look in that room, and there's this shaft of light just covering these birdhouses in the most incredible golden aura. And I go, I'm going to sell those birdhouses. I'm going to make me some money off those birdhouses. So I go to bed. I get up next morning on Sunday, I call my sister, she's crying, I'm crying. I'll be home as soon as I can get there, I said. How did he die? And she said, it was snowing on Thursday. And by Friday morning, we had a blanket of snow on the ground and he went outside to sweep the snow away from the bird feeders, sat down in the snow and flew away. White, pure, cold, vast, light. I was not in tune. I did not. He was dying when I was buying those birdhouses. So every time it snows now, I get this image of my father standing on the sidewalk that day, watching me parallel park that car, that little twinkle in his eyes. On the day, he saved my life.